from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. I've been up for three nights at the motel under streetlights in the city of Palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Three nights at the motel under streetlights in the city of Palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. It's Friday, October 26, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Joining us from Nashville, Tennessee today, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And I'll explain why in a second, but Annie F. Downs is not with us. Joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia for the show today, Adam Smith. Hey, hey, everybody. Oh, wow, that's I like that. I, I like that. Cameron, before we get started, can I just say that I'm humiliated? Well, I thought this was the last episode before the Halloween. I thought this was our big spooktacular, and now I see it's not, and I'm the only one who's dressed up. <laughs> just, uh, a spooktacular is something that happens in your heart. You know, like you don't have to wait for a certain date. It's like, you know, Christmas lives in your heart year round. Uh, the reason why Annie F. Downs is not joining us today is because she's down the road here in Orlando. She's she's here. Um, she's here all week, actually, with a, a creative team from her church. And we had scheduled her to come in, obviously, and record live in the studio with us today. But we got the schedules mixed up. And the one day she was available to come in is the one day I was out of town on a movie set. And so we just couldn't make it all work. And so she's actually at Pandora at Animal Kingdom right now. She just sent a picture as we speak. Uh, So she misses the show. She will be on the next episode, though. So for our female listening audience, you can just hit stop now and just wait for the next episode. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad, though, that they're doing something fun on the retreat because some retreats are like, you know, we go like camping or something. And like the purpose of a retreat is to like be mentally restored. But if I but but like some people's idea of retreats, that doesn't work. Like because I'm supposed to be less stressed out. And if I'm like camping or something, you know, what I don't worry about if my day to day office is getting attacked by a bear. Like I'm not that stressed. <laughs> Here's the deal. This is the this is a little behind the scenes on their church's creative teams retreat. There's about 25 people on this trip. 25 people. I, I actually, we were able to connect on Sunday night when they f- were all coming in. So I went down there and saw, and, and she gave me the address and I'm pulling up, not to a hotel. I'm pulling up to a track home, suburban, uh, home, uh, near the tourist area, South of the tourist area. I literally, I've never seen a, a neighborhood like this. As far as the, I could see every house was exactly the same. Like I mean, Truman the exact Show. same home. Okay. So I'm pulling up, it's like a two story. It looks like a five bedroom home. I'm like, oh, that's a nice place for them to put up their their speaker for the retreat. Look, wow, you guys are splurging. She goes, no, no, no. This is where everybody's staying. I go, no, that's not possible. That's a home. She goes, no, there's 27 of us staying in this house. She said, in my king bed, there are three full grown women sleeping in this one bed. You know, there are 27 people staying in a five bedroom home. You know what's fun? You know the funny thing about this is like they had never been there before, and all the houses do look the same. It was the wrong house. And when the homeowners got home, they found eight people in the master bedroom just lying around. <laughs> it was really weird and a big mix yeah, up. They're squatting. Big mix up. Uh, and yeah, and they apparently while I was um, out of town yesterday, Annie and the whole team came up to the office and uh, John David gave him a tour and they talked creative process. And apparently it's really cool. 
I wasn't here, though. Yeah, Tyler Daswick hit me up and asked. He said that several of these people are asking if there's a cot that they can sleep on because they have no room. There, the house there was a caravan of Christian creatives that were, have been marching slowly Timely. toward our office. Timely. The publishing yeah. industry is falling on hard times. People just have to like, like former editors and writers just sort of wander around the country just <laughs> at, like in a giant wave of people. And they find whatever computer outlets they can write for a little bit and then back to back on the streets trying to find the next one. Back to the back to the king size bed. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, I need your take on something, man. You bet. We, I don't know if you know this, but this evening, Cameron and I uh, head to space camp. Did you know about this? I did not. So, so for the listener, you're listening to this after Jesse and I have returned from space camp. A little, you know, theater of the mind. Yeah. We had to record this episode on Tuesday morning. Uh, it's the Friday episode. We had to record it this past Tuesday to, uh, you know, because we're leaving, because we're leaving town. And yeah. so, you know, on, mon- on uh, this next episode, uh, you will hear us post space camp. But yeah, Adam, tonight... Jesse and I are flying to Huntsville, Alabama to NASA astronaut training facilities to do adult space camp. Yeah. Uh, we were we invited by Nat Geo. They're promoting the new season of their Mars series. And they said, hey, we're getting word out about the Mars series two, uh, season two. Would you, do you want to go to space camp? Immediately, my answer was yes. Yeah, he answered for me. And then I found out that we're staying in a house by NASA with 25 <laughs> other journalists. <laughs> One thing, Jesse, that you're going to have to look out for at space camp is uh, bears. So <laughs> yeah, It's actually outside. It's, it's literally A camp. big part of astronaut training is fending off bears. Right. <laughs> I mean, because you don't know what you're going to encounter in the wild frontier of space. Yeah. So. Uh, that's right. You have to be prepared for if I if old Star Trek episodes have taught me anything, it's that you're likely right. going to encounter some beasts out there. But I don't, you know, Cameron's never been in like a classroom study with me, and I, and, and you know, because I picture a lot of this were in the classroom, you know, learn about space stuff. No, no, Jesse, didn't you read the itinerary? Yeah, and and it has hours. It was vague because we have a morning debrief, a morning like they tell us about the day. That would be the classroom setting, and then it's nine to nine. And it just says, you know, space camp activities or whatever that yeah. they will not tell us about because we will learn about them in the morning briefing. Oh, Here's the deal. I'm kind of a bad boy. I'm kind of the class clown. <laughs> like to cut up, you know, I like to slouch a little, send a message to teach up there, you know, like you want my respect. You got to earn it. Adam, what do you advise my posture be going into space camp? Because I don't have the same level of enthusiasm as Cameron on this. Well, look, I, I think, first of all, I... A little advice to whoever's teaching you in this <laughs> Quote is unquote if you want teaching, to win Jesse's yeah. respect, pull up a chair, yeah, spin it around, uh-huh. sit on it back, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> immediately, immediately, and and just sit down. Like you know what, I I just want to rap with you, yeah. Uh, let's rap a bit. And right there, you've you, you've earned not only his respect but his loyalty. Yeah. yeah, that's right. For Immediately. Us. Like you, she takes the textbooks and, and she like, she holds it up. She goes, turn to page and just throws it on the ground. I'm just kidding. Let's talk. And I was like, okay, yeah. I got, I, I can relate. I can relate. You know, I want to be the space. Like Robin boy. Williams. <laughs> yeah. Like standing up on the desk and like starts ripping out, like <laughs> open the page one of your science textbooks, rips it out, crumples it up, throws it on the ground. Page two, same thing. Rips yeah. it up. The astronaut going into you tell- space is about trusting your gut. You tell me why I should respect you. You don't even know if 
Pluto's a planet. So you tell me, teacher, why I should respect you. Yeah, your your posture, Jesse, should be a uh, a kid from the streets, a tough kid who's got a, a tough exterior, but deep down a heart of gold. And I think that probably the very first thing you should do is stand up on a desk, salute the teacher and say, oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> See, I, I was thinking you were thinking like this was more of a space camp dangerous mind situation. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm mixing a few metaphors. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so yesterday uh, I was in Atlanta. I was invited up last second. I was invited to go up to this uh, film that's being shot up there. They're shooting a movie called Just Mercy based on the book uh, uh, of the same name. Uh, it's the story of Brian Stevenson um, who has... He's a lawyer who's given his life uh, toward racial injustice and uh, getting people off a of death row and kind of fighting, uh, fighting the death penalty. And um, it's starring Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx. It was amazing. And, and I was, it's being shot at this decommissioned prison. And the scenes that I saw were at this prison in Atlanta. And it was just unbelievably moving and just an incredible day. And so um, we're, we're at lunch Okay. And we're, we're sitting there with the producers and the director comes over eating lunch with us and whatever. And Jesse, you know, we're talking about justice and we're talking about the story of Brian Stevenson. Yeah. It's amazing. He's kind of like the Amer- America's Mandela. I mean, it's just an um, incredible thing that they're doing and creating and the performances we saw, all this stuff. But then when the guy's with me on the trip goes, Hey, Tomorrow, Cameron's going to space camp. And <laughs> and the respect the director had from you instantly vanished. No, dude, that took over the entire rest of the day. All they wanted to do. I mean, like during the shoot, when the producers come over, it's like, hey, you want to just switch? You want to produce a movie and I'll go to space camp tomorrow? Like they were uh, fascinated with space camp. <laughs> and uh, they all were like kids of the 80s who wanted to go to space camp like me. And then I tell them about you and that you have no interest in it and that you're like too good for space camp and all this stuff. And they are aghast. I just want you to know these major Hollywood so-and-sos are aghast at your posture. Cam- going Cameron's going to be camp. up there at the, at the, at the D at the morning DB briefing, you know, taking notes in his trapper keeper with all the rest of the nerds while I'm standing in the back vaping. Yeah. That's- Look, and, and let's be fair. Jesse has never been the darling of the Hollywood elite. That's true. That is true. They do not understand you. The, the thing that I told them that is so funny about the fact that you are too good for space camp is the fact that you were also cripplingly, you get cripplingly motion sick and that, unrelated and I unrelated. And I told them about our experience of Somaliland, how as we're traversing the, the terrain in, in Jeeps, how we had to pull over the caravan three or four times for Jesse. The only to- reason is that we got in that Jeep and I'm like, Hey, how long is this drive? Because I was trying to decide if I need to take motion sickness medicine. That also makes me tired. They're like, uh, it's like 45 minutes. It was like eight hours. It yeah. was literally, literally an eight hour eight drive hours. through the desert. Yeah. So. You made it about 12 minutes before we had to pull over. But anyway, and I'm going, I'm so he's too good for space camp. But then when they're flinging us around the gyroscopes, we'll see who's the man then, you know, um, uh, I'm surprised. Yeah. Adam, you're right. First off, you know, I don't get along with the, with the, with the people out in Hollyweird. So. 
I think this could be you guys' opportunity to kind of have a, a never been kissed situation because I'm kind of seeing it as a high school type setting where you both get to go back and have the opportunity to relive the glory days of being a teen again. And Jesse's kind of the David Arquette character where like you go back and you take to it like a fish to water. You're back in and Cameron might be a little more of the Drew Barrymore where yeah. it, it takes a little while. Yeah. At the end of camp, we take off his glasses and do a little makeover back at the hotel and look who's strolling in and it's Mr. Cool Guy all of a sudden. I, I see it kind of the uh, more like a 21 Jump Street situation where Cameron, <laughs> go, you know, Jesse goes in cocky and confident, yeah. but his his material just doesn't play. But Cameron is immediately the cool kid in school. <laughs> Embraced by the space nerds. That's right. Because I, I appreciate for what it is. I appreciate it. My, my mom this morning was texting me. Uh, today happens to be my son's birthday. And she was texting me about that. And I'm going to be with him this afternoon. We're going out, have fun. And then tonight after he goes to bed, I'm flying to space camp. And so she was just like, oh, you're going out of town today? Da, 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 da. And I go, yeah, I'm going to space camp tonight. And she just goes, isn't that a little weird for someone your age? That was my mom's reply. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, mom. Yeah, I mentioned that over the weekend. She was kind of confused. I was like, it's not Geo. And they, I wanted to go to space camp again. She goes, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it's like, oh. well, congratulations on a childhood dream yeah, coming finally. true. Yeah. So thanks a lot, mom. I have to go as a 42 year old because you didn't you didn't let me go as a 10 year old when it would have been age appropriate. Anyway, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be working these issues out now publicly. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. All right. We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, the brilliance joins us. They have a fantastic new album out and uh, can't wait for you to hear it. Can we I put something in the nose, Cameron. We didn't get a chance to meet about this, but someone sent us a piece of feedback. Uh, Oh, uh, um, so Cameron, we, uh, I mean, Adam, we had some artists come by the, the studio, uh, they're called for King and country and they they're are Australian. They, they are, are the national treasure of his homeland where he lives now. Yeah. They have a new album. They, they performed. And after the, the performance, they're Australian and they speak with Australian accents. Uh, uh, Annie, uh, uh, our other frequent host, Annie said that there's a rumor in Nashville that there's a conspiracy that they're the Smallbone brothers, for one. Joel and Luke Smallbone. And there's a rumor that they exaggerate their thick Australian accents because Australian accents play so well in the Christian community. Without Annie around to defend her, I want to say that this is not really a Nashville rumor so much as an Annie F. Downs rumor. (laughs) (laughs) But but they were at they were at like an award show this past week and they were interviewed and someone recorded it and and, and posted a small clip on Twitter. Adam, I'm wondering if you can you you are in Sydney right now, correct? Yes, I am. I feel like you can get, you know, you have a, a, you're an expert on this. You encounter native Australian speakers all the time. I've gotten here for it, I would say. Chandler, right. can we play the clip and you have Adam tell if like they slipped into like a non accent moment? It's very confusing. Post Dove Awards, yeah, interview. And, 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 and the conspiracy may be deeper than we thought based on this one clip alone. Okay. I, before you play the clip, I just need to know this for context. They're the okay. small bone brothers. Yeah. The yes. Rebecca. Okay. Do you remember Rebecca St. James? 
Yes, I do. Okay, Rebecca St. James is Rebecca Smallbone. Their okay. family, mom and dad, uh, or the managers, their family, they moved over to Nashville from Australia in the 90s because of her career, but there are nine kids. There are nine Smallbones. For context, I just need to know, do they have tiny skeletons? <laughs> they are full-sized adults. In <laughs> fact, the one frail. that you're going to hear talking, frames. Uh, the one you're going to hear talking is actually quite tall. Quite tall. Okay, He's, uh, so, like so the six... name is deceiving, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they actually have exoskeletons. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're trying to di- decipher with an Australian accent expert, Adam Smith, is this post-Dove Awards interview done by Luke Smallbone, Joel yeah. sitting right next to him. Uh, is this an Australian accent exactly. per sure. your ear? Oh, hold on, hold on. Before you play the clip, I have, I have two quick things to add for context. First off unrelated to the video clip. Can we all agree that Smallbone is a much more marketable name than St. James? Rebecca Miss St. James, she had a great career, but I would have stuck with Smallbone. Two. Two Interesting. is, Interesting. you know, what what I heard, I've listened to this clip probably 15 times, and I see that the accent has disappeared and they tried to pull it like he forgot that he wasn't speaking in it and it slipped back in. It's very confusing because at the moment he realizes it, you'll hear it. He starts to sound like very, for a very brief moment, like Christopher Walken for some reason. Okay. And, <laughs> and I, I'll say that Rebecca Smallbone would have been a much more marketable name, but even better than that would have been Rebecca enormous shimmering exoskeleton. <laughs> That's true. That's marketable. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's hear the... Because most of the time you're recording these Christmas songs not in the middle of winter, not exactly. when the snow is falling. It's usually hot. That's the walking uh, moment. And ironically enough, the, the, the album was... Okay, recorded. hold on, hold on. We're going to need to hear it one more time. Listen to when he goes, it's kind of hot. And he goes into yeah, walking mode, definitely. which twists it, and he goes back into Australian. One more time, listen for the walking moment, and then listen for the accent. Because most of the time you're recording these Christmas songs not in the middle of winter, not exactly. when the snow is falling. It's usually hot. <laughs> uh, but and ironically enough, the, the, the album okay. was... Okay, literally every bit of that sounded like Christopher Walken. Like not, there wasn't a single moment of that that sounded like an Australian accent. Well, they are, the, we, we know, we know factually that they are Australian and were born there. They just moved over to the U.S. when they were like eight or nine. There's... There's not even a hint of it. Every bit of that was walking based on based on what the fake news media. <laughs> is that what we know it? Where are we know based it? The, where are we getting these stats from? from? What the lamestream media based, says based right, on which, no no based on their actual chronological age today and when their family moved to Nashville. That is how we know when they when the, how old they were when they came over. I, I I will say that like accents get weird when people like when you have an accent. And then you move somewhere else. They get weird. They don't. Sound it makes it even more weird when you when you were born somewhere, then you move somewhere, and then you are raised by Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. You know, very weird things in happen. Australia. It's it's hot. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> we're recording the Christmas album so hot. <laughs> yeah so uh, there's honestly there wasn't there wasn't a millisecond of that that sounded australian well, I'm glad we got to the bottom yeah. of this one i didn't none of it sounded australian to me either but but i will say the australian accent that most americans associate with australians is a tiny portion of the population that basically it would be like if someone over here assumed that all 
Americans spoke like someone from rural Alabama. Mm, right. Well, Jesse, to be fair, that did not sound like him when he was just here, you know, in our studio. Yeah. So, you know, that, didn't, that's what's did so not sound Australian. It didn't sound like him, you know, so I don't know. All right. Well, moving the show along, it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for in case you missed it. Hey, in case you missed it this week, uh, it was announced Steph Curry will co-produce a faith-based movie with Devon Franklin. The movie is called uh, called Breakthrough, and it's based on the book, The Impossible, The Miraculous Story of a Mother's Faith and Her Child's Resurrection. The book tells the true story of the author's 14-year-old son who fell through the ice of a lake and after being declared clinically dead and receiving prayer for days, eventually walked out of the hospital. In real life and in the book, the film's main character, John Smith, is a huge basketball fan. So the uh, movie star, the movie will star Chrissy Metz of This Is Us fame and Topher Grace will play a pastor. Didn't see that coming for Topher Grace's career arc. Um, Steph told The Hollywood Reporter, John's story is nothing short of incredible. It's a story about the power of prayer and perseverance and one I immediately connected to. And Devon said the story checks all the boxes, faith, true story, family, and sports. Earlier this year, Steph Curry announced the founding of Unanimous Media, which would focus on making faith-based films. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the Unanimous team has been helping with the script and bringing the book to the big screen. Uh, Steph actually said, uh, it's not about me hitting people over the head with a Bible and telling them they have to be a certain thing or think a certain way. He's wanting to just make faith-adjacent films, largely. Jesse, interestingly, uh, yesterday, you know, we're there for Just Mercy, and uh, that evening, one of the guys that was on our trip was going to a screening of this film in Atlanta. Uh, It's like apparently not just now being shot. It's like in final stages and getting... Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess he he just recently signed on as, you know, kind of a... uh, production or they was just released that he's part of the production team. Yeah. They were telling me the story really is this kid, this 15 year old kid fell through the ice and was underneath our 14 year old kid. He fell through the ice and was under the ice for 15 minutes. And when they found him, he was unresponsive, had no pulse. He was gone. They took him to the hospital and his mom, you know, came to see him and, and just cried out in prayer. God save my son. And, hit, and breath came into his lungs and he came back to life, has no brain damage and is totally fine and walked out of the hospital after wow. being completely under the ice for 15 minutes. I, th- I think even the production of this movie demonstrates the power of prayer because Topher Grace found some work. <laughs> that was Gary. You were, th- th- this movie is based on like an amazing story. It brings together like Devon Franklin, who we just hung out with, and Catalyst, Steph Curry, like the biggest yeah. star in the world. But Cameron, reading and, and explaining it, the Topher Grace thing was the thing that you seem most surprised <laughs> about. Not that the kid survived 15 minutes under the ice. Like, oh, Topher Grace is in this. Yeah, believe me, no one is more surprised than Topher Grace. Because he was sitting by his phone like, please, God, please, God, please, God. <laughs> please bring my career back to life. Hey, I got you a call all, right then. Oh, you all are amazing. behind. You all are way behind the eight ball on this one. Topher Grace was in Black Klansman, a Spike Lee joint. Yeah, he was. Not two months ago. <laughs> he was right. David, David Duke. David Duke. <laughs> <Yeah>. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet. A white supremacist, but... <laughs> Tyler, don't point out the flaws in our reasoning when we're taunting Topher Grace. <laughs> as this, as as one of America's diehard Topher Grace stands, somebody who follows his career, I got the Google <laughs> alert set up. I will go see, when Topher Grace is in a movie. 
Tyler Huckabee's going to have a button at the theater seat the opening not night en- for that movie. Do not encumber us with your facts, Tyler. Yeah. I mean, really. Tyler makes the annual pilgrimage to TopherCon, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Where we all dress up like Topher Grace. Unfortunately, none of us can remember what he looks like for sure because it's been kind of a while. <laughs> you just dress, you just dress vaguely 70s and, you know, kind of show off. And- <laughs> he was definitely in that 70s show. <laughs> hey, uh, in case you missed it, The Late Show updated literally every week. There's a Late Show in case you missed it. Uh, well, if you want to skip it, we can. But this one, they're re- I mean, no, I know the no, it's great. the Bible. It's, it's no, got it's all great. the nose. They did, just like Stephen Colbert's, right? They're at the intersect Venn diagram intersection of faith and culture. All of a sudden, so yeah. uh, the Late Show updated the Ten Commandments to account for Pat Robertson's statements about the death of a journalist. So uh, I hate that we're shining a light on this, but the very old Seven Hundred Club host uh, suggested that America shouldn't punish. Saudi Arabia for the alleged torture and murder of journal- journalist and American resident Jamal Khashoggi because the country is paying the U.S. $100 billion for military weapons. Wow. He said, we've got an arms deal that everybody wanted a piece of. It'll be a lot of jobs, a lot of money come to our coffers. It's not something you want to blow up willy-nilly, which is crazy that a yeah. quote-unquote faith leader is valuing money over life. But <laughs> I kind of miss the the old days where when Relevant covered Pat Robertson, it was because he said something kind of sensible. Like those were the those were the real hot slices. Where that you read hasn't Pat been Robertson like twenty like, years. Oh, that's not bad. Or it was it was for his feats of leg strength. Yeah, in the early days, the only time <laughs> Pat Robertson appeared in our magazine was because of his incredible squat strength. Yeah, yeah, um, and it wasn't so much that he said something sensible; it was the rare times he said something not horrifying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, he's yeah. not sensible all is a little bar. I understand that, but it wasn't like you'd read it and it didn't make, immediately make you want to like go vomit into a toilet. You like you'd read it it's like I guess that's not like a completely abhorrent belief. That's that's the noteworthy Pat Robertson that I want to be a part of. Yeah. I only feel mildly queasy. <laughs> so the scene uh, was dated 1450 BC and in it, uh, Moses appears before the Israelites who reads the revised 10 commandments. Here's a clip. You've got a hundred billion dollars worth of arms sales, which is, you know, that's one of those things. But can we have somebody that's killing journalists that are U.S. residents is the well, question. I know it's bad, but I mean, we've had all kinds of stuff. But you don't blow up an international alliance over one person. I mean, I'm sorry. Oh. Oh. Behold, God's children. The Lord has given me these laws of life. The Ten Commandments. There's a lot of good stuff in here. God's name in vain, honor parents, no craven images, blah, blah, blah. But I want to draw your attention to number five. Thou shalt not kill. If you notice, there's an asterisk. That's because <laughs> thou shalt not kill. Unless there's a lot of coinage on the table. I'm talking serious ducats, baby. Long green. Think of all the golden calves you could buy with that kind of scratch. (laughs) If that be the case, then the big guy upstairs is more than willing to look the other way. I like like how Moses slipped into pirate. Uh, (laughs) Is that just me, or did I catch a hint of Christopher Walken in that Moses? (laughs) There's a little bit of Walken. (laughs) Little Walken, little pirate. A little small bone. (laughs) A small, small bone. Did I I catch a small, small bone in there? I see what he was going for. I mean, really, really nailed the character. 
Hey, uh, in case you missed it this week, Kristen Bell uh, spoke out about how Snow White sends the wrong message to kids about consent. Uh, she had an interview with People Magazine, and she voices Anna in Disney's Frozen, obviously, is a mother of two young children. Uh, she told People, every time we close uh, Snow White, I look at my girls and ask, don't you think it's weird that Snow White didn't ask the old witch why she needed to eat the apple or where she got that apple? I say, I would never take food from a stranger, would you? My kids are like, no. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing something right. She then talked about, maybe don't read the story to your kids, though. I don't know. Um, uh, (laughs) She then uh, talked about an essential plot point in which Snow White is drugged and can only be awoken by a kiss from a stranger. Don't you think it's weird that the prince kisses Snow White without her permission? Because you can't kiss someone if they're sleeping. Evidently, her thoughts caused some backlash among some Disney fans. But as she noted on Twitter, the comments also show how much value she places on teaching her children critical thinking skills. She said, I find the outrage annoying and misplaced. I'm a mom who wants my girls to possess critical thinking and ask a ton of questions. So that's what we do when we read books. There you go. It is weird. A lot of those early Disney movies are really weird. Not, even, I mean, not just even the early ones. Like... You know, I my kids were watching the Beauty and the Beast remake, and my I haven't seen it, but my son was telling me that Beast gets shot by spoiler alert here that the Beast gets shot by Gaston. I guess he's like the villain. You know, I was like, I don't even know if I want. You know, he's only five. I don't know if I want him seeing you know people shooting each other. But I will say this: I'm pretty sure Gaston is armed with a blunderbust, which is the most hilarious way to shoot somebody. So I think it's okay. <laughs> the people on on even on our site were kind of clowning on Kristen on uh. Kristen Bell for saying that it's like shouldn't I don't know I'm not a parent you guys can weigh in on this more than I can but isn't it a good idea to talk your kids through the stories you're reading to them about the good things and the bad things about it? especially some of these older archaic ones that may not necessarily that may have some sort of problematic messages that are worth reevaluating in light of things we know today that doesn't seem like a controversial thing to I, me I, I, I totally agree I I I tend to just make offhand comments uh, when reading to my daughter, like, uh, and and I can't say that they're always out of social awareness so much as the fact that I I crave an audience, even if it's a two and a half year old. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'll be uh, I'll be reading her one of her spot books, and you know it's uh, Spot's dad's birthday, and they say we're going to make your dad a cake. Chocolate is his favorite. And I always add, even though it's toxic to him, because he's a dog. Oh, no. There's, there's one fact we know about dogs. It's, yeah, it's literally poison. The, the other thing that I've noticed about Disney. Yeah, all these kids are going to go out and make chocolate cakes for their dogs. Yeah. That's exactly. terrible. Yeah. Well, and like tonight I read her uh, a Beatrix Potter book, and it talked about how uh, Benjamin Bunny uh, married his cousin Flopsy. I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Their children are going to be all kinds of messed up. But once you get past the incest, you know, it's quite a charming little tale. Yeah. The, here, the other, the other thing that I was thinking about after we posted this, because I saw, it did cause a little dust up as, as Tyler, you, you noted, I was starting to think about how many Disney movies like are, are about a murder like like a straight up True. murder you know like bambi murder yeah you know like in, in beauty and the beat like there's always there's always an adult dying like lion king murder i haven't seen a pixar movie yeah. where a where a character gets violently murdered 
Adult, the Disney movies are largely based on the adult characters dying off and the children having to overcome adversity. I mean, largely. And then also opioid addiction or, you know, like hallucinogenic drugs. I mean, that's yeah. the other <laughs> the other thing that is big in Disney films. But yeah, yeah. Walt, Walt Disney would sit down with his animators like we want to make a heartwarming children's tale. So let's see. We'll start with murder. (laughs) (laughs) And and Cameron, to your point, you know, I, you know, about kind of teaching children to overcome adversity. I will say this. If I'm ever dying a stampede of hyenas, my children are well equipped to deal with that situation. You know, thanks to the Lion King. I do think that I'm a little frustrated and, and kind of irritated by Beauty and the Beast and its message that true love is better than being an awesome bear lion creature for the rest of <laughs> yeah. your life. Like, what was the beast's problem? He Belle was a seems superhero. like a nice girl. Belle seems nice. I totally get the the appeal there. But he was a super strong monster who had a castle of servants that also doubled as like household items. He had a pretty as curses go, that's a pretty sick gig. And I'm not sure that's the message we should be teaching our young boys, that they should just give it up to the first girl that walks in the front door. <laughs> hypothetically, hypothetically, if you're a child and you are bestowed superpowers and an awesome, awesome beast body, should you give it up for love? That's a question that I'm concerned about what we're sending here. I'm not saying it's I'm not I don't I know that I don't want to be one part of the PC Mandy Pamby <laughs> Disney's ruining our children <laughs> epidemic. I, I don't want to come across that way. I'm just saying the beast had a good thing going. And as soon as as soon as the as soon as Bell walks in, he's like, I'm going to give all this. I'm going to give all this away. All my cool servants, my super my muscle, my super strong ability to defend myself and defend my household for I don't know. She's nice. She's a nice girl. So it's a Samson and Delilah thing. Uh, Yeah. Like. And you have to think all those servants, once they're turned back into humans, were like, oh, wow, I was uh, I was uh, an anthropomorphic teapot who never aged. So uh, I guess now I have my brittle human body back. Thanks for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, okay, again, talking about, like I said, did they get to choose? If they get to be a human who will be subjected to all of the, the illnesses that come with, with aging and, and, you know, just the tragedies of humanity or in a, in a mortal wise cracking candlestick i feel like you should at least have you know what i didn't have to worry about when i was a talking clock smallpox (laughs) (laughs) think you gotta think about the stories you teach teaching to your children yeah i just i don't know i don't know if i want them to make that decision you know to be honest with you should they should the situation ever arise i don't know if i want them just you know making a rash decision yeah don't you think it's weird that beast gave up incredible power incredible powers for a girl just ask don't you think it's it's weird that hilarious old pirate guns look like trumpets isn't that weird (laughs) the blunderbuss is just hilarious isn't it kids And all the female listeners are just pining for Annie. Yeah, to yeah. Come back. this is why we need Annie on the podcast. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Well, if I can, if I can present the uh, the uh, feminist point of view, ally, you're welcome. Um, I, I, I would say, and and look, this is probably well worn territory, but it actually is weird that the message behind Beauty and the Beast is if a guy is terrible and flies into yeah. fits of rage 
and constantly angry and abusive towards you, just dig deep and you'll find that he has a heart of gold. Right. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't leave the abusive relationship. Just, you know, exactly. stick it out. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Especially since up. you're forbidden to leave the abusive relationships because you're locked in a castle. Yeah. Exactly. You have really no choice. Kind of like the Little Mermaid. The uh, the message is: strong women are dangerous. Yeah, there's wow. a lot. I feel like when you start to unpack these, I, I feel like this. We don't. Come, this isn't a problem in Pixar. Mostly, like I said, they don't involve violent murders. But you know, uh, you know, teach his own. I guess. I wonder if Disney's going to have to like relitigate some of these now that they're doing these live action remakes. They're having to, you know, they had to do Beauty and the Beast again, which does have some really tough elements to it. Uh, you got Aladdin coming up here in the near future, Lion King, which seems less problematic because it's all animals. I, I don't know if they're going to, I feel like there's going to have to be some mighty careful, like kind of dancing around some of the issues in the in the movies. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's almost, yeah, they're, they're having to like rewrite their, their storytelling a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, uh, Rihanna reportedly turned down performing at the Super Bowl this year to support Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Sources close to the star told Us Weekly and Rolling Stone that she turned down the offer to perform uh, because she doesn't agree with the NFL when it comes to the Kaepernick situation. The free agent quarterback is pursuing legal action against the league, saying owners have colluded to keep him off a roster after he launched league-wide demonstrations against racial injustice during the pregame national anthem. Maroon 5 is now scheduled to perform. Uh, so. And we're all the poorer for it. <laughs> oh, man. What a uh, depressing, what a yeah, depressing hire. Like, how long was their list between they got before they got to Maroon 5? You <laughs> know, like, was it, were they above or below Matchbox 20 with uh, Santana? <laughs> Maroon 5 had said no, it would have been Topher Grace. Yeah. <laughs> Just a monologue. <laughs> Finally, uh, this week, in case you missed it, author and theologian Eugene Peterson died at age 85. Uh, He was the author of The Message and has written more than 30 books and was one of the most respected Bible teachers in the world. Among his many fans uh, was U2 frontman Bono, who actually sat down with him back in 2016 for a video um, where they discussed the power of the Psalms. Here's a clip. So I think the Psalms are important because they... For some people, like me, at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church. Um, um, so I don't which one's Bono. Child here. going. I remember thinking. <laughs> Bono just fell asleep in the middle of the question. Uh, <laughs> except for... The Lord is My Shepherd, which was a great tune. And I really like that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah! They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not. It doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And... It's that that makes that sets the Psalms apart for me. One of my favorite stories about them is um, I, I remember Bono when he started talking more about his personal faith. You know, I mean, obviously we were part of that trajectory in two thousand four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The, the message 
was was the thing that he turned to yeah. that like kind of helped reignite his connection to scripture and to the Lord. And so he was he would talk publicly about the message and he would talk about the impact that Eugene Peterson had on his life. And he I don't know how the story came out, but he was wanting to meet with Eugene Peterson and and got word to Eugene Peterson. This is Bono. I mean, this is like at the time the biggest person in the world kind of and uh, they, they reached out to Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson's like, I don't know who that is, and no, you know, like didn't want to yeah. didn't want to talk to him because he had never heard of Bono or U two or what anything, a flex, obviously. what a flex, especially early two thousands Bono. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the irony of all this is that Eugene Peterson was way more of a Depeche Mode fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Maybe I'd maybe I'd sit down with Bono if they hadn't sold out after Joshua Tree. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I can hang out with the guy who gave us the unforgettable fire. Yeah. How, how many times in that relationship do you think Eugene Peterson uttered the words, okay, calm down, Bono? <laughs> yeah. The first thing he says, wait, so I'm just supposed to ignore disco tech? I don't know, Bono. You just want me to pretend that did I still happen. haven't forgiven you for the Pop Mart tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk the message after you issue a public apology for yeah. Vertigo. And yeah. not until then. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll sit down and talk Bible all, all day with you as soon as the edge takes off that ridiculous hat. <laughs> <laughs> you're standing in you're standing in a salt flat in the photo shoot. It's gotta be two hundred degrees out there and he's wearing a beanie. I, I was uh, standing outside my office uh a couple of weeks ago with some friends and a guy walked by and he was kind of a, you know, a short muscular guy with a goatee and he was wearing a beanie. And I said, I, I got overwhelmed with enthusiasm for the joke. And I was like, Oh my God, it's the edge. And he, we all laughed audibly and he made eye contact. No, with us as, oh, no. no. <laughs> How badly like, did guy, you feel? This guy just walked by and saw three strangers laugh at him. Oh, <laughs> I know. a little tear yeah, formed in the corner of his eye. You're a bully. Yeah. You're no better than the beast. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that if you just persevere, you really have a heart of gold. Did you did you feel bad or just like, well, that happened? Yeah, I actually did feel really bad. I'm like, <laughs> that guy's just going about his day and he just saw three complete strangers laugh at him. He starts he goes, My head gets cold easy, jerk. <laughs> Alright, well that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned up next. The brilliance join us. You're listening to Bad, Bad, Not Good and Little Dragon. The song is tried. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Dominic Fike with Three Nights. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by, look at this, a new sponsor, Amazon Prime. 
Uh, when you join Amazon Prime, in addition to fast free shipping, you also get access to thousands of movies and TV shows, including award-winning originals, all included with your membership and available to watch on Prime Video. Now, Amazon is launching Prime Video Channels, where you can add and watch more than 100 premium and specialty channels all on Amazon. No cable required. You only pay for the channels you want. This is game-changing for cord cutters. With Prime Video Channels, you add channels a la carte to your Prime membership, and you can then watch them on Prime Video anytime, anywhere. It's the Prime benefit that lets you choose your channels. Prime members can subscribe to premium channels like Showtime, Stars, HBO, PBS Kids, Noggin, PBS Masterpiece, CBS All Access, plus over 100 more, no cable required. Well, right now you can start a free seven-day trial of over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash relevant tryprimechannels.com slash relevant um, I was just watching on Amazon Prime honestly I was watching that show they have with uh, Fred Armisen and Maya Rudolph uh, forever it's phenomenal by the way and that's just on Prime Video that's not even one of the channels I mean obviously adding the HBO shows like Insecure and some of the others that we love um, CBS All Access I mean there's a ton of stuff and Adam for you you can add British and Australian channels now. If you love British and Australian shows and, and movies, like you, you definitely want to check out channels like PBS Masterpiece, BritBox, and Acorn TV. I mean, it's like you can do the whole globe yeah. of channels on Amazon Prime channels. Over 100. It's awesome. 100. Remember, you can start a free seven-day trial of over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash relevant. Go do it. Hey, by the way, if you like the show, like go support our sponsors because when you support yeah. our sponsors and go to that URL, it really helps the show. Tryprimechannels.com slash relevant. Well, singer-songwriter duo The Brilliance is known for their intricately crafted brand of worship music. But on their latest project, The Dreamer Suite, they go in a new thematic direction, addressing the immigration crisis, DACA, and everyone's deep desire to find a place that can be a home. Made in partnership with the Christian humanitarian uh, nonprofit World Relief, uh, the album features guest musicians who are dreamers themselves and looks at how God calls us to all love our neighbor, no matter where they come from. Here's our conversation with The Brilliance's David Gunger. Systems of belonging Lock us in a cage We fear those who are different Refuse to see them Every time that we would want to make the music that uh, we were really passionate about, I feel like sometimes people would, they either want you to, to give language that they really connect with and not at all, you know, so meaning them like, hey man, really stick to Jesus, <laughs> which is cool. But also for where we were at in our lives, we felt like, hey, we want to, one of the things that had evolved on our own story was, um, creating music that those within our faith uh, background and community would be able to, to uh, wrestle with and enjoy, but also those who were not from that background, it, it didn't feel like an insider language. There's a guy named Mark Reddy. Um, he just, he kind of challenged us. And he's like, what do you guys want to do? Like, what's your dream? If, you, if brilliance could be anything, what would you do? 
I think there might have even been tears of just honest, raw, like this is what our dream would be. And he he just was like, do it. Let me help you do it. And so we started talking about different issues. And he, he had said, you know, one of the things that World Relief was focusing on was things um, like initiatives for dreamers. And I knew somewhat about dreamers, but I didn't know that much. And the first thing he asked was, he's like, can I just introduce you to some different dreamers um, in New York, like where you just go and meet them. And so we met with some different dreamers. And I think John and I were both really humbled and really kind of smacked in the face with, um, I'll give you an example, the first dreamer that we met with. His dream was to be uh, an officer in the military. And he didn't know, like his whole, he was an ROTC. Um, he was like, his whole goal was like, I'm going to go to military. I'm going to uh, go through college. I'm going to get, you know, my officers, however you would do that. And I'm probably butchering this right now of how you explain this. But he was, he was so excited about it when he was applying to colleges. His mom, who at the time when he was in high school, was working uh, two different jobs, working during the day and during the night. She told him that uh, he was an illegal immigrant or not illegal. I shouldn't say that undocumented. And he didn't know he didn't even know his whole life until high school. And he was devastated. He was hurt. His story was he literally had to flee because of violence in Central America. His mom was um, getting out of a really gnarly situation. She was such a hardworking woman. His goal is to be an officer and then. His ultimate dream was to try to be a firefighter. And he talked about when he was, he went to high school in Newark and he talked about how when 9-11 happened, he saw, you know, he saw everything that was going on and he was so inspired. And so his whole dream was to serve like the city that I live in and serve our military. And here we are like, I'm half Puerto Rican, but I really, you know, grew up identifying as like, I'm like just a normal like white kid from Wisconsin. And so is John. And here we are growing up in like a a Christian perspective where, you know, we're like pretty nonviolence, pacifist type people. However, really like also respecting um, our military and knowing the cost of that. And I've never in like a million years thought John in the same boat like hey you know what our dream is to serve in the military Um, so it just kind of hit us in the face of like this guy's dream is to serve America and here we are like pretty privileged dudes who create art and we just are like man why, why do we get so existentially depressed about our lives when There are people who are in our proximity who have challenges that are much more, um, it's not that they're not existential because I'm sure it deals with that, but they're real life. Like they're worried about jobs right now. They're worried about school right now. Like the ability to put food on the table. learned and what was interesting 
was it wasn't a left-right issue, meaning like, oh, if you're a Democrat, you'll want a dreamer solution, or if you're a Republican. In fact, like over 80% of America want a solution. And a lot of the people that were driving to come up with a solution the hardest were like Republican congressmen and senators. And so it's not a right or left issue. And it's something that at least right now, um, it's really easy to go, that's such a sad thing, but it doesn't affect me. So I just go, oh, that's sad. And it just kind of goes out the window. So what our goal was is we have, we've been writing a lot of music and the only reason why we kept going with music is because we would get these stories from people, especially when we were on the road, that oftentimes were really sad and like kind of pretty rough for us to hear, but it brought them a lot of hope. It was because of these narratives that we felt like, okay, this is kind of what keeps us going writing music. And so we want to make music based on stories of people that inspire us. And so we have these suites. The first suite is around dreamers, but the theme is really around not just DACA dreamers, but any traveler or anyone that's longing for a home that can be a physical home. It can be a spiritual home. It can be whatever it is where you have that restless, like I long to be home. Um, so the idea of that is around uh, what is your dream? The second suite is around in our age of people. I feel like there's a lot of hyperbole about specifically on lots of different sides of like, is this the end of the world? And I feel like, um, how do you speak to that in a, in a hopeful way of looking back at history and where we're going forward as people, as humanity? And so the second suite is called, Is This the End of the World? And it deals with hope. And the third suite uh, specifically deals with grief. And then the fourth suite being this uh, one around the thing that we feel like tears us apart more than anything, which is social media. That was The Brilliance. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Then you're left in the dust Unless I stuck by you You're a sunflower I think your love will be too much Or you'll be left in the dust Unless I stuck by you You're the sunflower You're the sunflower At Duke Divinity School, we're the spiritual heart of a great research university located in Durham, North Carolina. Our vibrant community of students and faculty engaged in rigorous, collaborative scholarship and deep formation come from across the nation and around the world. Grounded in Christian scripture and theology, we are guided by our desire to embody a faithful witness in a changing world. We believe that being rooted in wisdom is the first step towards cultivating ministries that flourish, institutions that respond creatively, and designing communities to thrive. Comprehensive theological education is critical and necessary to answer the big questions and generate thoughtful leaders. In learning from our past while engaging with our present, Duke Divinity School's program equips students to serve in the church, academy, and the world of tomorrow. Are you ready to take the next step? Learn more at divinity.duke.edu. You're listening to Post Malone and Sway Lee. It's the new song, Sunflower, from the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. 
Okay, it's time for your feedback. Okay, so uh, do we uh, not do slices on on Fridays anymore? No, no, no. The Friday episode has, in case you missed it, because you're looking back at the week, the Tuesday episode of the Relevant Podcast now has But you're only but. our guest today. Are you saying you came prepared with a slice? I did. I did come prepared. All right, let's wedge it in here. Tonight. We want to give let's you your it. moment of slice glory before bonus we slice? do feedback. Adam slices. We got a bonus Adam slice corner. Yeah, a little bonus yeah. slice. Oh. Australian here's, slices. Here's the great thing. Here's the great thing, guys. It's really just okay. Oh, <laughs> so a lot of attention yeah. on something. Like, eh. I am. I am on the yeah. edge of yeah. my seat. It's it's pretty meh, but uh, but it's appropriate. This pretty meh because it's about Nebraska. Real quick, Adam, do you know where Tyler Huckabee hails from? Uh, uh, the, the great state of uh, Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska native. Yeah. The one and only. Well, there you go. The, it, literally the one and only. A, I, I've never <laughs> met anyone else from Nebraska. I assume you're the only literally one. Literally the only notable person ever to you come You said from the that. greatest state of Nebraska. I said the one and only great state of Nebraska. I wasn't saying there's was only oh, one. Okay. Great I thought person. you meant that Tyler was the one and only person from Nebraska, yeah. which honestly, if you told me that, if you edited the Wikipedia page to say that, I you, would you, question. You, you, you know, you know, it's sort of a blase state. No offense, Tyler. When the coolest thing they could come up with for a mascot was a corn husker. Get it out of your system. So yeah. just get, let, let, let's have it. Okay. So, Nebraska has actually changed its uh, tourism slogan. It has a new tourism campaign. And uh, its uh, its new tourism slogan is Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> right? So That's not they, true. They, yes. Oh, it's, Nebraska, it's honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> That's, they've, oh, had wow. a few, they've had a few in the past. Uh, America's Frontier, My Choice, Nebraska, Nebraska, The Good Life. Uh, but they decided they go the self-deprecating route and they went with, uh, Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. No. Uh, they're trying to shake things up because Nebraska consistently ranks as the least likely state tourists plan to visit. <laughs> and I, I want you to think for a moment about all the states in really? our great union yeah. and think about the implications that Nebraska ranks last on that list. Because there are some terrible states. I mean, Idaho has beautiful national parks. I mean, North Dakota. Yeah, I mean, think North, North Dakota, Idaho is yeah. stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, stunning. South Dakota, you got your Rushmores. Uh, North Dakota, I'm thinking, why would you go to North Dakota more than, I mean, like, I would think Nebraska would be more likely than North Dakota. Well, doesn't North Dakota, where, where's Mount Rushmore? In South. Oh, well, South Dakota. Yeah, I, I feel like there's there, there, just visiting a Dakota has some romance to it, you know? Really? Yeah, well, I think people visit North Dakota because they're bad with geography, and they thought that <laughs> Mount Rushmore was there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know how many people right now from all over the world are aimlessly driving the roads of North Dakota looking for Mount Rushmore? Yeah, yeah. North Dakota's state slogan is uh, North Dakota Rushmore adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they have Fargo. At least they have like a cool movie that everyone remembers. Like in, in fairness, in, Tyler, and, and I only say this because you're on the pot. I would not talk. I would not disparage Nebraska in such a way I'm, if we didn't have a Nebraskan 
one of Nebraskan's sons on on the pod. But Adam would Adam wouldn't hesitate. Like Adam would act as yeah. if Nebraska is a short, muscular dude wearing a a beanie in the middle of summer. Like <laughs> okay, that's but, how but he wait. would treat. But wait, okay, so Nebraska is directly in the pretty much the middle of the country. I mean, you're below North and South Dakota. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like so it's crazy Dead cold. Center. I mean, you're like above Kansas, right? You are yeah. to the west and adjacent to Iowa. Why would somebody prefer to go to Iowa? over Nebraska. To me, I would say they're comparable. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's luck of the draw at that point. I will say I've come up with a few state slogans that I think uh, could serve Nebraska better and get across the same message. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I'm all ears. First is the simple and elegant Nebraska. Remember we exist. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm looking at a map right now. I, it's way further South than I realized. I thought it was up yeah. near the Dakotas and stuff. I thought it was up yeah. there, but nope. Yeah. Then there's uh, Nebraska, mostly square. <laughs> it's a kind of rectangly, rectangly. Yep. Nebraska, just passing through. Yeah, that's true. That's a good one. If you're going from Kansas to Wyoming or the beauty of Montana, yeah, you're going to go right you, through you, Nebraska. You've, you've got to drive through there. Yeah. Yep. We, we've had to deal with my, uh, my wife and I got each other's home state tattoos on our wrists yeah. uh, that was like uh so she was born here in the great state of tennessee and i was born in nebraska so on her wrist i have a i have a tennessee tattoo and she has a nebraska one and of course we live in nashville so people see that my tennessee tattoo and it's kind of like it's not even really a talking point it's like oh yeah that makes sense he probably just likes living in tennessee um and then they see hers and it's like oh how are things in colorado is that guam on your arm <laughs> The territory, the U.S. territory of Guam. Yeah did did you get a dustbuster tattooed on yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska, a large field. <laughs> Nebraska, yes, we have gas stations. <laughs> it is kind of funny, even looking at. I'm looking at the uh, U.S. interstate map, and yeah. and there, there's a there's an interstate that goes up the uh, eastern border between Nebraska and Iowa goes north to south, right? There's only Mm -hmm. one U.S. interstate that dared even enter the state. Uh, (laughs) It goes goes east to west, right down the middle. All the other states have multiple interstates that are crisscrossing their states. Nebraska has one. It's just kind of, there's a road. That goes N- Nebraska, home to very average wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lincoln seems like a nice town. I mean, I don't know. And that, that's my. That's where I'm from. And then Lincoln and Omaha, like right there yeah, on Omaha, the far but... eastern corner, they're like one hour apart, and they're both fun. You know, there's 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 a lot to do there. I enjoy living in and being in Lincoln and Omaha. I enjoy going back when I get the opportunity to. But once you go west of there, I mean, then you've got you know ten straight hours of driving. That that's just not. There's not a whole lot out there besides cornfields. There's just I, not. Okay, it's I, cornfields. I, Adam, I got two more for you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nebraska. We have a city that has a mail order state company named after it. Pretty cool, huh? Omaha. There we go. And the finally, mistakes. yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebraska, there's talk of an outlet mall coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There's your bonus slice all the way from Sydney, oh, Australia. That was, that was good stuff. Um, okay, it's time for your feedback. Well, last week on the show, we got talking about Jesse's hometown that I call Loverland, Virginia. He actually lives in Virginia Beach. There is no place called Loverland. It's just that it's the land for lovers. And so that's yeah. where I just started saying that. I don't know. But it got us talking about the 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 things that our areas are known for. Jesse's area is known for loving yeah. uh, and lovers. And um, our my area in Florida is known for very strange 
redneck issues and you know like just things happen and um you know we want to know your area what is your area known for what's the weird tradition that your town has what's the draw the thing that um that uh your hometown is known for you guys hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast and you also post it on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com here's a few of our favorites Nyon said this is a brag, which he said, Cincinnati makes chili without beans. Then he gets personal with it. I didn't appreciate this. This is literally what the tweet says. Chili, Cincinnati makes chili without beans. And it's better than any chili your mother could ever hope to make. Whoa. I take issue with that because I've been to I've had since the Cincinnati chili, this famous Cincinnati chili better than my mom could make. It's bogus. Okay. It's oh, it's bad. pure garbage. It's just meat it's, juice, friend. That's meat juice. And don't ever talk about yeah. my mother again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's just a wet, sloppy chili. Joe. <laughs> it's a wet, sloppy Joe. It's a it's bowl just of sloppy like, Joe. My wife is from Cincinnati, so we go up there and she always wants to go to the to the Cincinnati chili place, Skyline or whatever you guys call it. I don't I can't I, I, I can't be bothered to remember the different types, the different brands of Cincinnati chili around. I just know they're all equally bad and equally worse than my mom's chili. Um, i i really like this one uh david he says in my uh hometown of claremore oklahoma uh the kids look forward to snow days so they can sled on will rogers memorial aka grave yeah yeah i heard about that sled on will rogers grave yeah apparently kids in this town hate old-timey political commentary (laughs) it's pretty metal actually that's kind of like happy trails to you will rogers Halloween. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, snow day. Let's go desecrate a grave. <laughs> After this, let's go over to the tomb of the unknown soldier. Uh, did you see on our Twitter <laughs> replies? Yeah. Jesse, did you see on our Twitter replies that uh, somebody from Holmes County, Ohio was like, yeah, we're, we're the biggest Amish population. And then somebody from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania was like, uh, excuse me we have now passed you and they posted like census reports and stuff. And they started going back and forth about who's the most Amish area and who, and who has the best Amish theater. You know, they're yeah, like, you can't, you can't brag about that when you're on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say, I hit up, I, I emailed a couple of people in the Amish community to see if they confirm no reply. So no I don't know. Reply. It's no reply. Yeah. I got a, uh, this was, I, I got some personal, I got a, a direct message of about the slice that I brought last time that helped inspire this conversation about the the monster who lives uh, the Ogopogo monster who lives up in Canada there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from a, a, a listener sent me a, a direct message who says that he actually lives uh, in Kelowna uh, on the lake there. He was driving over this morning while listening to the slice. That's a nice little bit of like divine, you know, it's obvious that like God wanted him to hear this at the right time. Yeah. And he says he's heard of sightings from reliable people and even read about it in the university. So oh. I think once again, this cryptozoal, it, it's up there. Something's going on. The time is starting. Okay, uh, Lexi Schlegel, uh, Schlegel, she says uh, she comes from an area where we drop things on New Year's Eve. A lot of people do. I mean, they drop the ball in New, you know, New York. She says, my county uh, has the Yellow Breaches Creek where Revolutionary War soldiers washed their breaches, uh, bridges and, turned, and it turned the pants yellow because of the sand. And so on New Year's Eve, uh, her town drops large yellow pants at midnight, uh, yellow breaches. <laughs> Uh, I hope someone's they're not wearing the pants. It's like there's yes, like a man the in, time the in the middle of town who just drops his <laughs> yellow pants. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This is uh, Katharina from Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada. 
Uh, because winter is so long, we have one of the world's biggest malls, which boasts an indoor theme park and indoor water park. You can literally go on vacation in Edmonton and not leave the mall. That's not a vacation. That's that's, that's terrible. That's, that's being held. Yeah. Uh, ben Taylor Whitson said he's from Johnson City, Tennessee, and he has two facts. Okay. Oh, hold on. I read this one and I was so disturbed and so like disturbed. I really yeah. wanted to know the backs. Like I almost went down a a a. a uh, uh, Wikipedia rabbit hole, yeah. rabbit hole yeah. to find out. Oh about my gosh, I'm just seeing so, this now. Okay. This, so this Johnson City, Tennessee, yeah, where in 1916, uh, if you have children, fast forward because okay. it's going to get real. Things are about to get real. This, this is, is history, this is though. Disney it's history. movie territory here. So. This, this is this is just. <laughs> hey, we just asked him what is your area known for. So here is what he said, and I'm from Johnson City, Tennessee, where in, in 1916 a circus elephant named Mary attacked and killed one of its trainers. <laughs> Terrible. The circus owner decided that Mary needed to be put down, so they held a public execution using a railroad crane to hang the elephant by the neck until it died. Oh my. That, that'll show her. <laughs> and then uh, that'll, that'll tell all the other elephants, this is what's coming for you. If you uh, That's cross. right. Let um, that be a lesson, elephants. And then he said Johnson City is also, also picked up the name Little Chicago. Which, you know, that's surprising. They're in Tennessee, Little Chicago, because it's uh, where Al Capone used, uh, he used the town as his favorite hideout and ran all sorts of prohibition era activities from Johnson City. Ooh, can I tell you an interesting one about a tiny town that I lived in as a child? Yes. Uh, A tiny town in Indiana, and it was about 45 minutes outside Chicago, and the Chicago Mafia used to dump their bodies there. Uh, and in fact, if you've ever seen, if you've seen the movie Casino, uh, spoiler alert for like a 25 year old movie, um, (laughs) there's a scene where Joe Pesci and his brother are, uh, taken out to a cornfield. They're beaten with baseball bats and then they're buried alive. Right. That, uh, scene and those characters were based on real life mob informants named the Spilatro brothers who were buried alive and unearthed not half a mile from my house. Wow. 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 That's this is this, this podcast took a took a turn for the dark. Yeah, I was gonna say a lot of people have like interesting dark. <laughs> Let's talk histories. about hanging elephants again. That'll cheer up the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I kind of want to visit this one, Jesse. Maybe you and I can road trip to it. Okay. Uh, Kit Palmer said a my hometown in Claxton, Georgia, is famous for two things, fruitcakes and rattlesnakes. So they have the world-famous Claxton Fruitcake and Annual Rattlesnake Roundup. The 52nd annual event is next year. So we maybe we head up to the 52nd annual Claxton Fruitcake and uh, Rattlesnake Roundup. Oh, I'm, Do you I think they down. just decided on fruitcake because it rhymed with rattlesnake? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, a lot of cakes. But they could have chosen any cake, and they chose the worst one. They're like, hey, we need some for the rattlesnake roundup. Uh, any cake, any cake. You know, chocolate cake, strawberry cake. No, we're cherry. Red velvet. Yeah. We're going to go fruit. Uh, okay, I got to address this. This doesn't have to do with the question, but, um, you know, I do feel like if people are offended by something that we say, you know, I, let's air it out. Let's air it out. We, I went on a little bit. I, we all did a tangent against bathrobes and how they're very inappropriate. Yeah. So we talk. Let's 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 hang the elephant in the room. As it were. <laughs> <laughs> let's drag it out to Times Square, put some railroad ties high, and just hang it for everyone. Um, you know, be, it came up because my state slogan is "Virginia is for lovers," and I said that the official uh, uh, garment of the state, because it's for lovers, is a bathrobe, and how only <laughs> weird perverts wear bathrobes. Uh, 
that's the reality. <laughs> unless right. unless you're fighting the co- a cold, there's no reason to be in a bathrobe. Right. Brian said, I wear a bathrobe around the house all day, every day, and I feel attacked. Brian, I got news for you. You're on a watch list. Unfortunately, they, they, they track people like you who wear bathrobes around the house all day. Last question of the week. This is a visual one. Uh, if you can find this tweet, go find it. Uh, Melanie Erickson says, I live near Banff, Alberta in Canada, and they have a merman in a museum. They have it available as a postcard, which I have on my freezer because it keeps me out of the ice cream. It's so creepy. It's this weird fish man skeleton thing. And it looks like a it's really disgusting looking but um, yeah yeah it's so. like a bat it's a taxidermied like weird skeleton with a real fishtail it's like, like something you would fish. see in a, a ripley's believe it or not you know but i'm yeah. seeing kind of a shape of water type creature is in yeah. my head is that <laughs> close enough? no it's like a full-on fish bottom with a full-on like okay man top it's like it's like what's that half horse half man thing pegasus centaur. Centaur. centaur it's like a centaur but with a fish bottom not a horse bottom it, it, you know th- this is an enlightening question of the week because there's a lot of places where the most interesting thing in town is that a man drops his yellow pants at midnight and they celebrate that <laughs> you know jim pagato <laughs> says salem oregon home of the first drive-through divorce that's what they're known for <laughs> uh. I mean, so this is where this is where uh, it all started. Chad Kel- Kellogg said, uh, "Sometimes when I'm on a run in my community, I have to pause to allow cows across the road going from field to barn, or vice versa, because his town, Holmes County, Ohio, is home of the world's largest Amish population." And he says, "But we do have the interwebs, and it went from there." So because some very just you know Lancaster residents were just very, no, no, no. It is not Holmes County. We have overtaken you. So, yeah. so one of those one of those places also not only wins for highest Amish population, but it also wins for fewer fewest buttons per capita. That's right, <laughs> uh, Jesse. This is crazy. I'm going deep in the replies. There's a bunch of them. yeah. Lad- Ladnar Sor uh, with this, with yeah. like an umlaut. I mean, there's a there, <laughs> this is a very Norwegian name. I'm yeah. butchering it. Buckle up. There is an international cryptozoology museum in the fine city of Portland, Maine. The proprietor of the establishment exhibits the hard science needed to soften the judgments of the non-believers seen in the following photos. And like one of the photos is 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 a Bigfoot, is a taxidermy Bigfoot. And then there's like on the wall, there's mounted a fur-bearing trout, a uh, a taxidermy Bigfoot, uh, just a whole bunch of it's just a bunch of taxidermy stuff. I don't know if that's if that counts as a museum. I, know. I also really love to think about the proprietor just having a, a delightfully thick Maine accent. You know, like, <laughs> got a big foot for you here. This <laughs> <laughs> is a little small bone. Yeah. It, was it was a little small bone. bone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you went a little walk in there. It's, 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 a, it's a person from Maine raised oddly by Christopher Walken <laughs> and the small bones. Um, there's a lot more feedback where that came from. Go check it out. It's really funny. Okay. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Well, we're going to keep it in the geography field because this is obvious. Uh, what would your state's new slogan be? What should your state's new slogan be? Uh, Adam, what was the actual new Nebraska one? Uh, it was honestly, it's not for everyone. Yeah. So along those <laughs> veins, I can't believe that was really adopted. Uh, so but, the bar has been set. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. honestly, it's not for everyone. See if you yeah. can clear that. What yeah. should your your state's new slogan be? Give us a couple. Give us a couple for you. Oh, yeah. Year. Yeah. Give us some options to pull from. Let the city council vote on it. Yeah. 
And if you live like in Canada or something, I'm sorry, you're disqualified. So this is a very geocentric question of the week. Um, all right. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer replies on today's podcast episode at relevantmagazine.com. Well, many thanks to the Brilliance for joining us. You can get their new album, The Dreamer Suite, now at patreon.com slash the brilliance. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the brilliance. You can also follow them on um, Twitter at Brilliance Music. Thanks also to our show's sponsor for making the episode possible. Uh, remember, you can start a free seven-day trial of Amazon Prime Video Channels and get over 100 channels by visiting tryprimechannels.com slash relevant. Go there to that specific URL. It helps support the show. Check it out. Well, on that note, we will wrap things up. Adam, this was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for joining us all the way from Sydney. It was... Uh, you betcha. We, we love having you on. Yeah, um, and, and for all of you who don't like the cryptozoology stuff and all of the state talk and all of the Disney bashing... Annie F. Downs will be here on Tuesday's show. Just, just so you we know. promise we will not talk about public ex- publicly executing a circus animal next week. I can assure you. <laughs> it's not a promise. I, I'm not, least, I don't feel comfortable yeah. signing, the, signing that dotted line, Jesse. You never know. Yeah, like let's give ourselves some grace and say not. we won't talk about publicly executing the same circus animal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, the new issue of Relevant is out now. Go check it out. Johnny Swim's on the issue. This is the, the last week you can get the Johnny Swim issue. Yeah. Uh, or, or the last week it's our current issue our new issue comes out next week and we're going to tell you all about it on the next episode um, uh, Jesse uh, people have been going over to iTunes and leaving reviews of the show and rating it you know if you like the show we love it when you go over to iTunes and give it five stars and leave us some feedback if you don't like the show keep it to yourself but uh, if you like the show go over to iTunes Jesse uh, what's the scuttlebutt what's the buzz what are people saying this week okay so I pulled two for, th- for this week and I'm glad they, they put this was five stars because the rest of this review is very ambiguous because if they would have left one star yeah. if they would have left Same one review. star this review would have made sense as well but they left five the, the review is titled beyond words so okay so that could have been one star and finally the review itself that was the title of the review again think about this as a one star or five star the review is just the dot the john tesh of podcasts no <laughs> <laughs> that is prolific. He's an Adonis of a man. No, that was a five star. So that's it's not like they said the Topher Grace of podcasts. <laughs> that's true. That's true. This <laughs> clearly was a five star reference, Jesse. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. He left five stars. I'm just saying if it was one star, it could have gone that way. Okay, this one's this is the most oddly specific review we've ever gotten. <laughs> the most oddly specific. Okay. It's from Cole, who gave who gave the show five stars. And this is what he said. Definitely worth listening to while you shave. <laughs> How much hair does Cole have on his body? These yeah, shows a, are like an hour and a half. He's an hour and a half in. Oh, that was that was that was good. It kept me entertained during that chore of uh, shaving. Well, maybe maybe he's a uh, Bigfoot. Yep. <laughs> Cole the Bigfoot. Yeah, Lives maybe he's a sheep shearer and just shears sheep uh, all day. And you know. oh, that's true. That's what he's doing. He's a sheep shearer. He lives in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks a lot for the reviews. Um, so if you like the show, go go check it out. Hey, and if you uh, like the show, you'll love our magazine. You can subscribe now at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. There's a good deal going on. And um, it keeps keeps the lights on. We were going to put on the, you know, the, we actually, Cameron, can we talk about the cover just real briefly? Sure. Is yeah. it too early? Yeah, go for it. 
there was a debate about the oh, cover because yeah. we actually had three things that could have made it. We have um, a breakout star, uh, 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 Lauren Daigle, who's blowing up yeah, right now. Up. We have we have a true Hollywood A-lister, Mark Wahlberg. We're talking about his faith, about his not faith. just like promoting a movie. He's like talking about his faith and everything. Yeah, he, talk, he, he gets in, uh, very in-depth about his faith. Right. And then there was the, the third option. Third option which for the was, uh, it was a little It was a little macabre, a little gruesome, but it was what happens to Ella Circus elephants <laughs> when they get out of line. Yeah. And it was, so we were on the fence. But that was like a choose your own adventure. It was like an if yeah. then thing. You can kind of like skip yeah. around. We gave you all the different yeah. outcomes for your circus animals. And they were all yeah. not good. And, it was, and that one had kind of an appeal to the kid audiences. Like, ooh, fun elephant. But then it, it, yeah. it kind of goes off the rails. Yeah, it it took a dark. But either either way, get the new issue because you can find out what made the cover. The Circus well, Elephant, Mark and, Wahlberg, and Lauren Daigle. And don't forget the Big Bone, Small Bone expose we did on the uh, origin of the accents. 30 pages. Oh. And and if you've never picked up the magazine, you would probably expect that it, it uh, features less circus animal murder than the podcast, <laughs> but you'd be wrong. <laughs> you'd be wrong. <laughs> All right. You'd be dead wrong. Well, on, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Gary. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Adam Smith. All right. We will see you guys on Tuesday. Seems like you use a little company for me. But if you got everything, I figured I like you, say, don't waste a minute, don't wait a minute. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from the Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Did I did I catch a small small bone in there? Yeah. Relevant Podcast Network.